Today we're moving into a spiritual discipline that I think if we asked, most of us in the room would be very slow to get to this discipline. And it's called fasting. And so today I'm hoping, and I don't know if, if you've ever heard a message on fasting, but I hope today we grow in this area and I want us to see the importance of it. It's not a light thing when we talk about fasting. So I'm going to read the text and then we'll get to work. We're in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 16. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that as we gather today, this subject is uh, a tough subject. Some people are scared of this. Others are confused and wondering what in the world is this. I've never heard about it. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit moves, gives us wisdom. And Lord, we thank you for the grace to approach you with giving and praying, but then also fasting. So I pray as a church we're obedient to what you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, there's an old dude. His name was Socrates. Pretty smart dude. A young guy comes to him and says, Hey, Socrates, I, I want knowledge. Will you give me your knowledge? And Socrates walks him down to the sea and dunks him under the water. And he comes up. And Socrates asks him, What do you want? And the young man says, I want knowledge. I want knowledge. Teach me your knowledge. And Socrates takes him back under and holds him under for a couple seconds and Brings him back up, asks him again, what do you want most? And this young man says, I want your knowledge. Please teach me, Socrates. Socrates takes him back down under the water. This time he holds him there for 30 seconds. Brings him back out of the water. And Socrates asks him, what do you want? And the young man, gasping for air, says, I want air. I want air. And Socrates responds to him and says, when you want knowledge, as much as you want air, you will have it. The interesting thing here in fasting shows and creates a hunger for God. And this is our problem. Our problem is not about a lack of appetite. We have appetites. We're hungry for a lot of things. But I wonder who is starving for God. So we can go on the board and listen with the people in the room. I want to hear from you. So we've got hunger. What, and you don't have to make this personal, what are people hungry for? Hang on, hang on. I got fame. What do we say over here? Money. Power. So we'll go from here. Uh, so, or Jason, I'm going to put credit. We want people to see it when we do something. What else was said? Love. Love. Acceptance. Acceptance. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Acceptance. What else? Security. Security. I'm going to put health. I'm going to put comfort. Mm -hmm. 
Kindness. Hungry for, what can we put that with? I think that's an outpost of love, right? Food. Food. <laughs> hey, we're doing a sermon on fasting, and I'm not going to name them, but somebody said we should put a big old picture of a cheeseburger, and then on the next slide, a blank slide, and say, hey, that's what fasting is. <laughs> Pleasure. Yep. Sports. This is why, hey, crazy thing, I've told you guys this before. There was a pastor I was in a class with in Tennessee. Giving would go down when Tennessee volunteers lost a football game. <laughs> crazy. They were hungry for sports. Hey, we are too. When the Bengals are on and you had service at 1 o'clock at Ashland Avenue, attendance is killed. Hobbies? Two Bs? Yes. <laughs> Knowledge? Knowledge. Uh, where we go? Can you spell this one? <laughs> yes, I can spell knowledge. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're not going to need more examples. I got too many hecklers in the room. Now, it's easy to put these things up on the board. What I would love for you to do, sometime, get your top 10 list. Put things that you're hungry for, right? So for me, with where I'm at, um, I would put something with teaching, right? Am I in the right spot at Holmes High School? Do, do I like being a collaborative teacher? So, so teaching slash job for me, right? Next, coaching. Coaching takes up a lot of time, right? Is, is this something that, and I want our team to do well. Right? And I have to be careful because sometimes wins and losses and practices and what the guys do affects my emotions, and that lets me know that that's starting to become an idol in my life. And so I got to be, because I'm, I'm hungering, I'm hungry for coaching and success on the field. Comfort. Our AC went out two weeks ago. I didn't think comfort was a big deal. I drive a F-150, right? I'm, it's not very nice. It's not elegant. The AC goes out, I realize, ooh, I'm hungry for comfort. Right, and so I, I go through, and what happens is you, you go on this list, and then you make a decision, you know what, I'm going to take time away from one of these, a couple of these, and I'm going to use that time that I used on this to pursue God. And that's called fasting. Right, now, have you guys ever played the game Hungry Hungry Hippo? Right, and, and you're pushing down, and it's just constantly swallowing up things, constantly swallowing. And the goal is to get more of those little marbles than anything, anybody else on the board. Well, what happens is, in life, we're like hungry hippos, and we're going after stuff, after stuff, after stuff, after stuff. But we're always hungry and never satisfied. We're always hungry and never satisfied, and we just keep gobbling up, gobbling up, gobbling up. And that's where fasting, biblical fasting, comes into play. In Psalm 34, verse 8, if you're taking notes, you want that text. Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him. And so as we pursue what we call biblical fasting, what you will notice is when you stop eating for a meal or for a breakfast and you start feasting on the things of God, you'll find that you are completely satisfied.
It's the craziest thing. And so that is what we're talking about this morning. What is fasting? What is fasting? I've asked numerous people this question on, on what is fasting, and we get all sorts of answers. One student, not going to name any names, said fasting is moving really quickly. Right? You're going really, really fast. You're fasting. Right? A couple others. Can't eat. Others would say, can't eat, can't drink, but I can eat fish. And so there's a lot, there's a variety, there's a variety of answers when it comes to what is fasting. The definition that we're using, biblical fasting, what is seen in the Bible is going without food for a spiritual purpose. Without food for a spiritual purpose. Now those are two things that are musts if you're fasting. Going without for a spiritual purpose. If you go without for no reason at all, it's not biblical fasting. Alright? So biblical fasting, what we see in the Bible, is going without food for a spiritual purpose. Biblical fasting is not a weight loss program. Some of you guys have heard of intermittent fasting. The goal is to cut weight. That is not what we're talking about when we're talking about fasting. Also, fasting does not make God answer your prayers. It's not one of these things where we can make God move. That's not what fasting is. Fasting does not earn us favor before God. God doesn't love you more if you fast every Tuesday and Thursday. That's not what fasting is. Fasting does not draw attention to ourselves. Oh, I can't go out to eat with you. I'm, I'm fasting this week. It's not about ourselves. And there's a couple of instances in the Bible where people were wasting their fasts. So in Isaiah we read, Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? So the people ask, are asking God, people are saying, God, why are we doing this, but you haven't seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, God's response, you do as you please on the day you fast, and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously, viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to have your voice heard on high. And so they were fasting. They were going without food, but they were living however they want to. Fasting will not cover up your sin. And so if you're running from God, but you're not eating, you're not going to make it okay. That's a wasted fast. Another wasted fast is in Zechariah. It says, ask all the people of the land and the priest, when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and the seventh month, so they set out times, specifically to fast. He says, when you did that for these 70 years, that's a long time. At a certain time, two months of the year, they wouldn't eat, and they did that for 70 years, but then it became a routine. And this is what God asked them. Did you really fast for me? You see, they did it because it was a tradition, but there were no thoughts of God. They went without food, but it wasn't for a spiritual purpose. That's not fasting. That's a wasted fast. And then you have the guy we meet, the Pharisee in Luke 18. There's a tax collector that won't approach the throne of God, but he stays back and says, Lord, have mercy on me. But then there's this arrogant Pharisee going up and says, God, look at how great I am. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of everything that I have. And Jesus says, one of these guys went away justified and not the other. You see, fasting doesn't earn anybody salvation. It doesn't make you righteous. 
And so I want us to be careful as we approach this subject of, sa- of fasting. You notice now, hey, this is the hard part because we've been off two weeks. Fasting comes right after praying, which came right after giving. And I want us to notice how many times it says in secret. So when we were talking about giving, Jesus says twice, do this in secret. And then when we get to praying, again, in secret. And then we get to fasting twice in one verse. He says, when you fast in secret, your Father who sees you in secret. This is the point Jesus is making. Who you are, when no one is around, when no one is watching, is exactly who you are. And God sees it. So in private, who are you really? What are you hungry for? This morning, everybody in the room has an appetite. What are you the hungriest for? Also, notice in explaining fast, biblical fasting is voluntary. Biblical fasting is voluntary. There is no set time, set day that you have to do this. As a matter of fact, I would say many Christians have never done a biblical fast. Some people cannot do a fast. They they can't go without meals if you have diabetes and other health regulations. Sometimes you can't go. I I remember a church set a time where they wanted to go three days of fasting. But if you're dependent on that for survival, you can't do that. And so understand that this is a voluntary thing. There is no set time for that. Jesus never said you got to do this on this day. The Bible never mentions an exact time, an exact place, an exact frequency, how often. However, when we read this, what Jesus is giving mandatory for the believers. Yep. Jesus says, when you give. How about praying? Absolutely. Jesus says, when you pray. Fasting? When you fast. It is expected. But it's completely voluntary. No one's forcing you to do this. You can pick the time. You can pick the place. And so I want us to go through just a little bit some types of fasts. Oh, and I think this is important. Fasting can include other things than food. But, but I want you to notice why food is important. So, so fasting, uh, you can fast from a hobby. I, I've, I've met, um, it was a husband that was in love with softball, and the softball would take him across the nation every weekend, and he saw the cost that it was, had on his family. And he decided he's done with softball to pour into his family. And so he says, I'm fasting from softball for a while until I get out of this stage of life, but it's not worth sacrificing my family. Right? You can fast from social media. You can fast from Netflix. You can fast from TV. You're not watching TV this week. And in the, in the time you would spend watching, you can seek after the things of God. But the reason why, if you can fast from eating, this is why it's important. What happens when you don't eat? It'll happen here in just a few minutes. Maybe happening already if you skip breakfast. Stomach growls. And when it growls, what does your brain say? I need some food. I am hungry. Now, when you do a biblical fast, your stomach says, I am hungry, what's the next thought that should happen? Why am I hungry? And it points to that spiritual purpose. And so, your stomach growling is a built-in alarm clock for you to refocus on the things of God. That's a powerful, powerful alarm clock. All right? So, you can use other things. I also put on here caffeine and coffee, but that might be a must 
for some of the people in the room. You go without coffee, everybody else pays the consequences instead of yourself. Types of fast in the Bible. Uh, I've got five of them, and some of these are mix and match. Uh, the first type of fast is the food be gone fast. I think this is the most common. Uh, Walker, this is what you were saying, right? No food. You can drink things, but it's no food. That's the most common uh, fast. Another type of fast is what I call hold the mayo fast, right? It's limiting the diet. We see this with Daniel and his boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't drink wine. They weren't eating the greasy, nice food that the king gave them. They ate vegetables and drank water, right? And you can decide to do that for a certain period of time. Uh, another fast is the all-be-gone fast. It's an absolute fast. No food, no drink, right? Another type is what I call a private or personal fast. It's what we're talking about in our text today, Matthew 6, 16, 18. Nobody knows it. When you do this, nobody should know it. Act normal, right? That's what it means when it says put oil on your head and don't look gloomy. Shouldn't be slouching all over the place. Oh, I'm so weak. I can't do it. When you fast, nobody should know it's a private, personal thing. But then you see also in the Bible, the last type of fast is a public church-wide fast where the church comes together and together we fast for a specific purpose. All right, that's what we see in the Bible. So those are the, the five times, five types of fast. Do anybody, does anybody have any questions on those types of fast? All right. Moving on, sometimes people ask how often and how long should we fast? Does anybody have any ideas how often and how long? I think what's helpful are examples in the Bible. So check this out. There's a one day or part of a day fast where there's an example in Judges, the king comes or the judge comes, calls for a fast for that day. And at the end of the day, they go back to eating. Another one is a one-night fast. Everybody remember the story of Daniel? What night do you think the people fasted? When he spent the night in the, in the lion's den, right? So something happens, they pray for Daniel. Now, hey, here's a good opportunity for us with what's going on in Afghanistan. Usually, they're on a, it's a little bit nighttime there. They're on opposite schedules of us. It would have been a good time for the church in America to fast for the church in Afghanistan as they're going through this transition. That would be a, a good nighttime fast. There's a three-day fast. Esther, when risking her life, asked the people to pray, and that was for three days. And then when Paul saw the glory of Jesus for three days, he was fasting. There's a seven-day fast. You see that in 1 Samuel after King Saul and his sons were killed in battle. There's a 14-day fast, a 21-day fast, a 40-day fast, which is a supernatural fast. Two guys did that. Moses, when he was on the mountain talking to God, and Jesus, when he was in the wilderness. And angels came and sustained him. So I do not recommend going 40 days without eating. Exactly. And then obviously unspecified length. Now, here's the cool part. Skipping one meal for a spiritual purpose is a biblical fast. So it could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It could be a nighttime snack where you take the time you would use to eat to go after God. Read the Word and pray, whatever your spiritual purpose is. So, here are a couple reasons or great times to fast. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you have a specific example, 
come up to the board and write it on here. So I'm going to give a general overarching, this is a good time. If you have a time where you're like, oh, this fits, this would be a good example, put it on the board. So number one, a good time to fast. When should we fast? Fasting is expected. Number one, when discerning the will of God. When discerning the will of God. All right, I'll give you an example. If you guys can think of examples as I'm reading, come up, write it on the board. In 2 Chronicles, you got King Jehoshaphat, and I want you to see what happens when God's people pray. King Je Did you guys know there was a King Jehoshaphat? Most people don't know him. He was a man of God. There was a vast number of enemies coming for him, and this is what the Bible says. Jehoshaphat was afraid and resolved to seek the Lord. Now listen, I don't know about you, but there's going to be times in your life when you are afraid. Right here, you have nations coming after God's people, and the king is terrified. So what does he decide to do? He resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. So this would be one of those public, God's people getting together to fast. And then we see God's response. In 2 Chronicles 20, 13 and 40, it says, All Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives and their children. So get that in your mind. They're about ready to be wiped off the map. And you have fathers standing in front of their children next to their wives. And they're fasting and seeking God. Because if God doesn't show up, they're done. And it says, in the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came. And then check out what happens. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours but God's. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. I think many times we do not fast because we think it is pointless. But if you ask Jehoshaphat and you ask the people standing there when God showed up, they would say, no, 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 no. Don't miss this. So, in discerning the will of God, who has examples? Let's get them on the board. Job change. Looking for a job, all of this, right? This is very important. If you just go for a job because it's a higher salary, man, I've known, I've known a lot of people that regret that decision. Spend time fasting and praying. Where to go to school? Where to go to college? College? Church? Church? All right, I'm going to pick on the younger crowd for just a little bit. I would say, Walker, how old are you? DeMarcus? Josh? Ava? All right. So, 16, 16, 16, 15, Donovan? How are you going to choose who to date, who to ask out? Don't answer that question, Ava. Hey, so, so here's the deal. How do most people choose? 
by their looks, by their looks, right? And I would say most people get into dating not to glorify God. Would you agree? Is that right or wrong? And so here's the deal. When it comes to dating, I would encourage you guys, Ava, Donovan, I would spend some time fasting and praying to make sure it's right. Because, hey, here's the deal. You get in a relationship with the wrong person, it can lead to disaster. Hey, and, and there's example after an example. And so, hey, listen, it's funny now until it happens. And so, hey, I'm telling you, you better be fasting and praying. Hey, for your marriage, for the husbands and wives in the room, the little bit older crowd, I would set some time aside to fast and pray for your marriage. Doesn't matter if it's strong or weak. Doesn't matter if it's going through a rough patch or it's the best part of your marriage. Fast and pray. Because here's the deal. This is what I don't see. I don't see a ton of husbands who love their wives the way Jesus loves the church. I don't see a ton of wives who love their husbands the way the church should love Jesus. And so I think we need to fast and pray for our marriages. I, I believe that this institution, marriage, which God ordained, I think it's under attack. And if you're lazy in this area, it's going to cost you. Fast and pray. All right, something else. Discerning God's will. I'll put up one from us. And so, hey, here's an interesting thing. Adoption, children, um, with uh, Julianne's pregnancy. So I was nervous. I went in, and it was Balin. Actually, when you were born, um, we, we had C-sections, and so Balin's born. She turned purple. And I'll tell you what, it's a terrifying thing. It's a terrifying thing, one, to see the surgery with Julianne, and then to see a little girl not breathing, all right, but turning purple. Um, and so for Camden and Dia, I spent some time fasting and praying for, for this. Adoption. Julianne and I had it in our plans to adopt from India. And we fasted and prayed, and God closed that door. Isn't that interesting? So if you think, oh, I'll just fast, and then God will answer exactly how we want it. It's not like, sometimes, through fasting and prayer, God says, hey, this isn't what I have for you. Go this direction. And that's an awesome thing, too. So, hey, you guys can fill this in however you want to, but just know this. A good time... To fast and pray is when you're discerning the will of God. Number two, when grieving, or I'm sorry, number two, when confessing sin. When confessing sin. This is uh, Jonah preaches to Nineveh. Nineveh calls a fast and they repent from their sin. This is in 1 Samuel. God's people's turning from their idols. They confess their sin. So a good time to fast and pray is when you've blown it and you're confessing your sin to God. I will not ask for personal examples on this one. All right? All of us could fill the board. So this is pretty... When you stop and you fast and you pray when confessing your sin, it shows that you're not taking it lightly. Oh, I messed up. Whatever. God will forgive me. That's what we don't want to do. Because what did it take for us to be forgiven? Somebody had to die. You guys remember? Jesus goes to the cross. We don't take sin lightly. I think when we confess our sin, that's praying, and we add fasting to it, it shows the seriousness of our sin. And so, good time to fast and pray is when confessing sin. Next, when grieving. Uh, King Saul's put to death. He's captured. It's a gruesome murder. His sons are put to death, and they're led out by their enemies to embarrass God's people. 
And there's a couple men, they, they say a couple men with courage went and got the bodies and buried them, and they fasted and prayed for seven days. There's something about the grieving process when you add fasting that does something in people, strengthens your resolve, draws you to God. So when grieving is a good time to fast. Nehemiah, when he heard that the walls had been destroyed and God's people were in exile, put on sackcloth, which is weird. We don't put on sackcloth anymore, but he humbled himself and he fasted. Number four, when making requests. When making requests is a good time to fast. Now, all of us make requests, right? Check out this one from Ezra. I proclaim to fast by the Ahaba River. So Ezra, getting ready to go on a journey back to the promised land. He was in exile. The king says, you can go. But that's a dangerous journey. It's a dangerous journey. There's a lot of people that will come, kill you, and take your stuff. So listen to what Ezra does. He said, I proclaim to fast by the river so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey. For us, for our dependents, and all of our possessions. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey since we had told him the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. Do you see the predicament Ezra is in? They fasted and listened to how God responds. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Delivered them safely and soundly. So, what are some requests that we should be fasting before God for? If God doesn't move, nothing happens in this city. I would love, hey, this would be an awesome thing for our church to do. Pick a street, pick a meal, fast and pray for that street and see how God shows up and answers the prayer because we're asking God to change Covington, right? We should be. We add fasting to it. We pick a street. That's one way where we're requesting something from God. What else? What? Say it again. Yep. So I would put growth, which equals salvation from our neighbors, which, again, only God can do. What would you ask about school? All right. So we'll put safety. Hey, I'm going to put growth. Right? I hope you're learning something. Hey, I'm also going to put something even more important. You guys remember the sermon uh, about salt and light? You think school is an easy place for a student to be salt and light? Nope. DeMarcus, I think that would be a great thing to pray about. Can I point Jesus, can I point people to Jesus at Holmes High School? Can I point people to Jesus at Connor High School? <coughs> Connor Middle School? Goodridge Elementary? There's a lot of examples. At your workplace. I think that's a great request to ask of God. What other requests? Christian church in Kabul was martyred. 
Yep. A church in Kabul, secret church. Nobody knows about it. All right. And, and there's so many other things. And, and listen, some of the requests aren't easy. Right? If you're single, asking for a married partner, I can remember I'm praying for a family member right now. Um, she's older and looking for a spouse. Like, like that's a hard thing to, to pray for and ask God for. For children, for a job when you need one and it's urgent. Like, like your request, take it to God, prayer and fasting. All right? Next, when attempting great things for the glory of God. Remember the story of Esther. She's the queen. If she goes before the king uninvited, she could be put to death. And she knows that her people are about to be put to death. And so Esther calls the people to fast and to pray for before she goes in before the king. And then listen to her response. After you guys fast for me, after that I will go to the king, even if it's against the law, and if I die, I die. <laughs> That's pretty serious. She's attempting to save her people from certain death. Fasting. Another example is in Acts 13. You have Paul and you have Barnabas. They're sent out on a missionary journey. And what happens is Paul and Barnabas plant church after church after church after church. What does the church do? They pray and they fast for them. Hey, listen, I covet your prayers and your fasting for your leadership at Redemption Church. That's a great reason to pray and fast. If you're attempting to do something for God's glory, bathe it in prayer and fasting. Make sure your motives are right. And then watch how God responds. And then finally, when praying, whatever reason, fasting when partnered with prayer sharpens and strengthens our prayer lives. It's an amazing thing. You see this throughout the Bible. You see it with Nehemiah and Daniel uh, and the prophet of Joel. God's people do this together. You see it all throughout Acts. God's people are worshiping, praying, and fasting together. God's spirit shows up. The world's changed. All right, so those are six ways or six times, six reasons when we could pray and fast. That's not an exhaustive list, but that's a good list. That's a good place to start. And then finally, why should we fast? Fasting encouraged. And I've got four reasons, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but number one, fasting creates a hunger for God. It's the craziest thing. I don't understand it, but it's true. When you go without food and God shows up and you're satisfied, there's something about it that strengthens your resolve to walk with Jesus. This is what uh, Jesus says when he's uh, doing ministry and the disciples are, are coming. He's like, Jesus, did you get to eat? And Jesus is like, my food is to do the will of the Father. And you see, Jesus is completely satisfied. There's something about fasting that creates in us a hunger for God. Number two, fasting creates humility in us. You want to be reminded of how weak we are? Go without a meal. Go a day without food. And you see, man, I'm dependent on food. I've got to eat something. I'm not going to make it. And then remember, we're even more dependent on our God. So it creates humility in us. Number three, fasting is a reminder. Fasting is a reminder. And this is what it reminds us, that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. That's what fasting reminds us. And then finally, fasting will be rewarded. 
fasting will be rewarded. Now, this is very, very important, and I was afraid to put this in, but it's in our text, and so I want to explain this. It says, Our Father who sees us in secret will reward us as He sees us in secret. What is that reward? If you go back to the Lord's Prayer, remember the things that we're asking for? For God's name to be glorified. That's what hallowed be your name means. To set it apart, high and lifted up, to glorify God's name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Part of the reward will be that. There's another verse that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And fasting and in praying, you're drawing near to God. And in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. That's a huge reward. And here's the, the other cool part. There's, there's no command on how long and how frequent you have to fast. But you know what? There is a promise that as often as you do it, you will be rewarded. And I don't know about you, but I really want Jesus. And so I want to get after him. And one way to do that is through fasting. So those are four really good reasons to fast. And I'm going to leave you with this. Does anybody, has anybody heard of the name John Wesley? John Wesley? So he, he lived in the 1700s, about this tall. He rode a horse for 250,000 miles. Could have, if you could, ride a horse all the way around the globe. Could have done it 10 times. And what he would do, every week he'd have a circuit. And he created these small societies. And so let's say you guys are a group. You guys live in this city or, or neighborhood. We'll say Austinburg neighborhood. You guys are a group. You live on the east side. You guys are a group. You live on the, the west side of Covington. You guys are a group. You live in Latonia. And what we do is every week you get on a horse, go to a group, preach a sermon. Then you go to the next group, preach another sermon, preach another sermon, preach another sermon. He was alive during the Great Awakening. He started a small group called a holy club because people were making fun of him. And then the church didn't like him because of his methods. That's how he got the name Methodist. And the bar owners didn't like him because people stopped drinking when they fell in love with Jesus because they were hungry to be comforted by wine. But then their hunger was changed to being hungry for God. And so the bar owners didn't like him. The church didn't like him. And he just kept riding. Just kept riding. And person after person, city after city was changed. By the end of his life, there were over 80,000 people that were following after Jesus. He preached over 40,000 sermons. He averaged 15 a week. My man was relentless. He wrote book after book, many times putting his sermons into print because people couldn't get to him. One time, people were so mad at him because they stopped going to the bars, they released a bull on the crowd. Can you imagine gathering together? Can't be in the building because the church doesn't like us. We're out in the crowd and all of a sudden a bull comes running through. It's insane. You want to know what he did in his life? He set up two days where he would fast and seek God. Wednesday and Friday. And then for all the guys that wanted to be pastors in his churches, one of the requirements was to fast on Wednesday and Friday. Now listen, I don't do that. Your leadership here, not required to fast on Wednesdays and Friday. Right? But you also want know something we haven't seen a great awakening either we haven't seen 79,000 people come to Christ either so I wonder if we can learn something from a little man with a big impact don't be legalistic about your fasting but be faithful
Be hungry for God. The problem's not your appetite. The problem is we are always hungry for the wrong things. So let's set our hunger on God and go after Him and see how Jesus completely satisfies us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for gathering us together. Thank You for the opportunity to approach Your throne this morning. Lord, this isn't a fun topic. People are coming in. They're hungry. It's lunchtime. And yet, God, You are the bread that satisfies Your Son promises that He is the living bread, that those who feast on Him will never hunger again. And so, Lord, I pray that we experience that. Lord, I pray that we're faithful in the area of fasting as a church. Fill us with Your Spirit. Let us go where He leads. Let us do what He calls us to do. Father, there's so many things going on. Help us be hungry for You. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.